Let's get dangerous. Boom! It's back. Let's get dangerous is back in your life and it's back in your listening devices. I'm delighted to be with you again. Sorry for the little brief hiatus. Um, I should have gave you a little bit of warning, but to be honest, I wasn't going to take a kind of break. But then, uh, a few weeks ago, I got a bit ill, but I wasn't COVID-related, thankfully. I did get a test, though, because it was like, it was basically a head cold. Um, But man, it took took the wind out of me, so that kind of stopped me for a week or two. And then I said I'll come back, and then I had a few technical issues with some of the guests... And nothing too serious or anything, and then I said, you know, you know what? I'll come back as I'll I'll just take this as a mid-season break. Now, um, I was gonna say, oh, I'll just call that season, but I had thirteen episodes, and you know me, I had to have even numbers. So I know there's a lot of series out there like Sopranos and Breaking Bad and Six Feet Under. They have twelve or thirteen episodes a season, uh, but I was like, no, I I had to I had to end on an even number. So I said a mid-season break. Now in so I'm going to probably aim for 22 episodes a season. So this will still be season one, but it's part two. Season one, part two, if you will. So a really a mid-season break should have happened around episode 11, two episodes ago. And then I'll come back for another 11 episodes because I'm going to kind of do 22 episodes a season. Because that's the American way for sitcoms and um, a lot of shows that I'm fond of, so. I said 22 is a nice number because you get to 22, 22 a season. And then when you're doing your 100th episode, that's going to be mid-season between five. Listen, that's a long, long way down the road. I'm just happy to be back in your life for episode 14. Episode 14. And this episode's called Crack and Culture. I'll tell you why. Because I'm talking to a good friend of mine. Well, more than a friend because he's a relative. He's my good cousin. Uh, known him all my life. And he's... We're supporting local businesses here, folks, because he's going through some... Well, it's a, he's actually he's over the hump now, but he had a business up and running that was doing tours in Galway, um, Cracking Cultures, the website. We'll, we'll send, I'll send the links. You'll see all the links anyway before the podcast comes to click on it, and you'll hear it in the conversation. But um, I talked to John there, so it's a nice conversation. We talk about the problems he's had with COVID, post-COVID, and the fun he had pre-COVID even. Um, and that's enough about COVID anyway. And we talk a bit about the perfect Guinness point. A bit about family life. The whole lot. So I hope you enjoy that. That's coming up fairly shortly. Um, I know it's kind of start these with like latest news. But the news is kind of... Everybody's up to date with the news I'm sure by now. Uh, we've missed a lot of it. At the moment... I missed it in the sense of I haven't been on air. Or haven't released an episode during these crazy times but Ireland is now in um, a six week lockdown uh, partial kind of lockdown it's not I wouldn't say it's a full lockdown because there is a lot of shops still open click and collect people going to work you know um, a lot of shops that you think aren't necessary probably are open but I'm just glad they are and hopefully we get the numbers down and we'll be open up for Christmas uh, for everybody to enjoy Christmas because Christmas is that time of the year that everybody just 
comes together and has a bit of fun. But it's always the build-up that's kind of fun for Christmas. It's not... Christmas Day usually is... You, you're just knackered usually from food or just, you know, playing games or like going to visit so many houses. You just want to sit down and have a drink. and But maybe you won't be able to visit so many houses this year, so maybe even more of a fun Christmas. But I'm going to enjoy this Christmas, you know. Uh, Miles will be two. My son, the second Christmas, not two, he's only just turned one. But it's the second Christmas, so that's going to be fun. He's a bit more alert and opened up his, his own birthday presents recently. So hopefully he's open, he'll open up any presents he gets from Santa. So uh, news-wise, we have the uh, American election going on at the moment. I thought maybe, I'm recording this on a Wednesday evening, so I thought maybe by... Uh, we know the result, but we don't. Um, Trump has basically declared that he has won. Biden says, let's count every vote, which is probably fair enough. Uh, a lot of people thought it was going to be a landslide for Joe Biden. That's not the case. I kind of thought that myself, to be honest. Because for the American people, there's so many Americans that really adore Trump, Like to be honest. A lot of fighters out there at the UFC. Dane is a big endorsement of uh, Dana White. He runs the UFC he's a big endorsement of Trump and a lot of fighters in the card are the same actually somebody put up a funny thing um, there was a fight on a while ago and it was a he's a kind of big name now but he used to do uh, backyard fighting Kimbo Slice backyard fighting but his name is uh, uh, George Masvidal uh, and his nickname is Gamebred but he made a kind of comeback and then he defeated an undefeated wrestling fighter called Ben Askren but he knocked him out and I, even if you don't watch UFC or watch fights you probably saw this knockout it's like four it was a four second five second knockout flying knee just as the fight starts uh, and obviously Trump enjoyed it but George Masvidal is a big Trump supporter and he's been campaigning for votes in Miami because he's a Latino and Obviously, Trump did well then with the Latino force. So, in a way, somebody just said, like, Ben Askren getting knocked out kind of made Masvidal such a big star and a big big enough star to actually support Trump and rally these voters. And then Trump now looks like he's won Florida and might be the president again for the next four years. Which, uh, I know people say it's crazy and it's not great because he, like, he comes out with some ridiculous statements uh, nearly every day and it's it's, it's like a fucking watching a mockumentary. Um, but I can just see him just, I can just see him back in the White House to be honest for the next four years. And I can see why Americans kind of like him sometimes because he just disrupts the establishment. And somebody said to there he's like a bully. And some Americans like bullies. But that, that's... That's here, 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 nor dear, but um, it looks like he's gonna be. And I haven't watched the new show. Uh, Donald Gleason plays Donald Trump, and it's called the Comey Rule. I haven't watched that yet, but I heard that's quite good. So once I watch that, I'll give you the update and let you know what that was like. Um, but that's yeah. So we don't know. Well, probably by the end of this episode comes out on the Friday. Maybe we'll know the official who was gonna be president. But everybody expected a landslide for Biden. Uh, but everybody expected Clinton to win in 2016, but she didn't. Um, so it's just, it's a, it's a crazy time. It's a crazy time. And obviously people are going through troubles at the moment with COVID. Uh, Europe looks like it's getting worse again. But I don't want to keep this podcast all just about COVID and stuff. Um, so uh, any other news? Oh, on this, I said already, I talked to me, John, 
I'll be talking to John Bourne uh, his website Cracking Culture and about his his uh, his work that he does but also we had some sad news because a Hollywood icon uh, Sean Connery passed away so this week on Dan's Top 10 in 10 I'm going to do Top 10 Sean Connery films that I think are well they're not probably not going to be top 10 for everybody but the top 10 I kind of have but combined with a friend of mine and we'll see how we turn out but that's going to be a bit of fun that's coming up shortly and any other news I'm trying to think of sure wrote down some little bullet points didn't I coming back with an episode um, that's it at the moment so uh, oh creative corner forgot about it now it's back in my head so I was starting to do a segment called creative corner uh, on the latest episodes of the podcast and it was fun, it was like reading out some poems some short stories and people actually sent me in some stuff but I started doing this course that um, South Dublin County Council advertised, it's for free it was on Zoom by a, a screenwriting lecturer um, about creative writing completely and it was free to do, you just sign up and it's Wednesday evening over Zoom it's like two hours in the evening which is actually really fun Um and there's a nice group of people in it and varied ages, you know, from young, uh, 18, 19 to 70 odd ages. And it's a nice mix of balance of people. Some people are writing poems, short stories, and we kind of bounce ideas off each other and we get some assessments and stuff and we get some feedback from the lecturer, which is quite good. But now that means Creative Corner is going to actually get a little bit better now I have a few things coming to Creative Corner that hopefully enjoy but this week's Creative Corner John from Cracking Culture he wrote this little uh, great piece about pubs being closed and stuff and he's gonna during our talk he'll be the Creative Corner segment for this week so hopefully you enjoy that as well um, and that's it at the moment for a sum in an introduction I'm glad to be back I'm glad to be back rambling on again um, it was fun it was fun to do the first 13 episodes and now I'm going to do some more episodes. Hopefully get to 22, season 1, then season 2. We'll see how we go. Um, I have some good people I've reached out to that hopefully won't let me down and I'll get them on the podcast and we have some fun conversations. And obviously you have all that, all those episodes to kind of catch up on back there. Like um, you, don't have to watch, you don't have to listen to them chronologically. You can just re- pick a random episode and... Um, and you can see, I can see actually the listeners just like a few weeks ago just jumped up all of a sudden. So people are listening to it uh, after the fact. So it doesn't have to be a weekly thing. Like I said, I don't want to be constricted to having to release them every week because I don't want to be under pressure or just having to get something out and I'm not kind of happy with it or whatever. But but also it's a podcast that's just kind of a bit loosey-goosey anyway. So as you said, I don't know. I don't want it to be too scripted. I don't want it to be a bit of fun. I want it to be able to enjoy it. And after my conversation recently with John, that's coming up right now. That's the tour time and the last time I'll get a plug it before I actually uh, you can hear it. But uh, I got a real great buzz again after it. I was like, oh, God, I missed doing that. I can't wait to ring the next person um, and get them on. So without further ado, here is my conversation with John Bourne from Cracking Culture. Johnny boy, how are you? How are you, young buddy? Good to have you on the podcast. Fair play to you. Thanks for joining me, my man. How are you keeping? How are you keeping? Good. I feel privileged. You're, well, you should actually feel privileged as well. You're the first family member I've had on the podcast so far. 
Asher, there we go. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Although it doesn't sound it, I know. I know, yeah, sure. Now, we'll, we'll get to that because all, all the listeners here will realise that you're my cousin from born in... Well, actually, because this is why you're always saying you're a leash man. But yeah. like, you're a Galway man now. We obviously live in Galway. A, a, an adoptive Galwegian, I suppose. <laughs> but you really are a dub because you're born in the coom. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I don't tell people that. <laughs> well, now they all know. <laughs> it is a bone of contention, though. You know, there's a there's a buddy of mine that uh, that I'd have a pint with on occasion, and he's like that. He's an adoptive Galwegian as well, but he's originally from Dublin, and he likes to point out to me any chance he gets that I'm really a dub. Oh, I love it. Exactly. You know, I I love doing it to Kevin as well. He, he gets more what rolled up your brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's it's just it's just bet into us from an early age, especially growing up down the country, that yeah. you you don't want to be a dub. Well, you know? your your sister Fiona is the actual only one that was born in Leash. <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, surprisingly enough, <laughs> which is great. Well, yeah, as I said, you're speaking of Garwin. I want to have you on a few times now. So I'm back. I'm coming back with the podcast this week. And so this will be coming out later on in the week. But basically, I've been taking a little bit of a break just to kind of gather my thoughts. But I said I had to come back with a bang. And I'm coming back with John Bourne straight off the bat. Jump straight, uh, straight off the bat after, after a couple of weeks R&R. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But listen, because I want to talk about Cracking Culture. Yeah. It's a great. It's a great website. It's a great... I know you've only launched a website recently in the start of the year, but then obviously I want to talk a little bit about what what you do beforehand, before all COVID. Um, so for anybody listening, what is Cracking Culture? So Cracking Culture was set up, I suppose, a couple of years ago, about four or five years ago now at this stage. Uh, I, I I was working in, in Galway doing doors, surprisingly enough. All five foot eight of me working security in, in bars in Galway. And I kind of fell in love with pubs and with Irish pubs and kind of a little bit more than most Irish people fall in love with pubs I kind of started to study pubs and why are Irish pubs so special why are we Irish pubs in every city around the world and is it the, is it the characters the people that go to pubs is it the alcohol is it the music the food or is it like just a combination of everything and this kind of sparked an idea in my head and I set up cracking culture as a kind of a way of building a career and getting out of doing door work that had paid my way through college and to do cultural pub tours i suppose as like pub crawls for grown-ups would be the way i would describe it yeah. uh, we would visit four different bars and in each bar we'd actually learn something rather than just going for the boozy element of it that we'd learn about whiskey in one and beer in another and music and food and obviously aimed at a as a tourist market um, yeah. and that was kind of where that originally came from now thankfully i've been i've been lucky enough that that has evolved over time as well as doing doing the cultural pub tours i've kind of gotten into doing irish food tours and i've done whiskey tours which is probably one of my favorites that mm. i do uh, and now it's starting to branch out again because of this covid mess that we have going on around the world uh we've had to as a lot of businesses have have to adapt and, and kind of change with with what's going on and seeing what the market is so i've i've kind of rerouted what i do and i've kind of tied it up into a nice little ball and i've thrown it online so now i do online whiskey tastings with folks from around the world called the irishman's guide to irish whiskey and mm. uh kind of introducing people to that kind of whiskey culture and that pub culture a lot of people that were meant to be here for the summer are meant to be visiting Ireland and wanted to kind of try it firsthand, but obviously can't now. So no, no. 
yeah. being able to give them a little taster is, is great. And then as well, I get to kind of sh- try and dip my toe into a little bit of kind of creative stuff and um, kind of use that part that I suppose when you're working and you're busy, it, that doesn't necessarily get to come out as often. But uh, now that we have a little bit of breeding space and a bit of time, you can kind of, you know, adapt and, and change and do that little bit of creative stuff that you kind of have been sitting on the back boiler for so long. Yeah. And bring me back to those initial, well, obviously you had these tours beforehand. So when was like, let's let's remember the good times, John. Yeah. Remember yeah. The, best, the best tours you had out there when you had like, well, 50 odd people from the USA. Like, at the red. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I've had such, such amazing characters and so kind of different ends of the spectrum when it comes to different tours and stuff that I've done. Um, like I suppose last season, Last season was great, 2019, where every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, a busload of Americans in the morning would arrive into Galway City, and that I would have maybe 30 of these folks to, to take around and visit some of the best restaurants and, and best pubs and give them a little bit of taster of, of Galway culture. Uh, and that was that was great, you know? Um, I suppose... And- Go on. It was yeah, no, it was like so. It was obviously it is a tourist attraction, so it's actually it's more people just wanting to know a bit more about Ireland, really, when coming to visit. That's it, and I, I suppose yeah. it's very much as well that you, you kind of you don't want it to be diddly eye diddly eye potatoes, do you know? Because they can cool. get that they can get that kind of stuff anywhere, you know. You mm. you want it a little bit more authentic, and you know, bringing in an added element of that you're teaching them about local beers or about whiskeys and you're kind of talking to them about pubs and pub culture because pub culture mm. is such a big, important part of Irishness. You know, it's, mm. it's massive to us. And it's not, I always kind of say to people that real pubs, you don't go to get drunk. Drunk isn't, isn't the goal when you go to a pub. It might be a happy byproduct. <laughs> it might be if, if, the, if the crack is good and there's a bit of entertainment there then <laughs> then fair enough but that's not why you went in there in the first place you went in the first place to kind of enjoy a pint with friends or even go in by yourself and get chatting to the bartender or chatting to some random or sitting beside you and that's kind of very exactly. kind of inbuilt into us as Irish people that we want to have that social connection with people and like I love nothing more than on a random wet afternoon no matter where I am, but even here in Galway City, where I'll arrive mm. into a pub and I'll put up a bar stool, sit at the bar counter, and within a few minutes you're chatting to some old fella sitting beside you, and you're hearing stories, and it's it's amazing how it, it's it's a great kind of leveler, you know. You sit yeah. there with a pint and somebody who's sitting beside you, and you'll start off talking about the weather, or about a game that's on the telly, or whatever the case may be. But in a couple of minutes, this guy could be telling you his life story. You know? I know it's crazy, isn't it? and, and it's great. It gives you that warm feeling that it happens a lot. Now I have to say, it doesn't. I don't. I haven't done it as much because obviously I'm a dub. I don't think Dublin. It doesn't happen as much in Dublin than it would in the country. Am I wrong about that? There's, there, yeah, bits of it. Like I remember, I was I was in Dublin a couple of uh, maybe about a year ago. Now at this stage, and yeah. I went into Mulligan's. Pub on Poolbeg Street, one of my favorite pubs, oh. absolutely glorious little spot. And I was sitting at the bar counter. I was waiting on my bus to come back down to Galway after finishing doing a, doing a bit of work up there. And sat with bar, busy, you know, busy Sunday afternoon. Mm. And within a couple of minutes, a fella 
because the, the space was busy. A fella had pulled up a bar stool beside me. And after a few minutes, we got chatting. Turned out he was from Tipperary. And mm-hmm. he was kind of on the same you know, vein. He was kind of killing time. And then 10 or 15 minutes later, I had a fella from Kildare sitting the other side of me. You know, so we got kind of three country lads that have found bar stools beside each other in the center of Dublin. And um, we're just kind of chatting away. It's still kind of part and parcel of, of country living, you know. Yeah. Uh, like you walk into any pub anywhere around the country on a Saturday night and you'll see an 18 year old having a chat with an 80 year old. It's nothing unusual. And that's kind of how people get to know each other. And you know, who are your family? Where are you from now? You know, and they kind of trace back oh yeah you're good you're from good people i know your father i know your grandfather whatever whatever the case is it's probably lost yeah. a little bit in big metropolitans uh yeah like, like dublin or, or even city center cork or but you're right about mulligans you do get that because i'm so happy you said mulligans as well because uh, my old boss of mine brought me the mulligans years ago and he often did some mulligans and i have to say it's the best point of guinness i've ever had mulligans in mulligans and poobag street is is a little gem i would be uh it'd be mulligans or the palace uh on fleet okay. street they would be the two now that i would kind of uh fall into i was actually i was in mulligans years ago and uh there was a young fella had started working you could tell it was his first day but you could tell he was an experienced bartender you know had probably come from somewhere up closer to Temple Bar. Um, but it was his first day in behind that bar. You know, where you can tell because he's not kind of used to where everything's positioned and stuff like that. Yeah, you can do yeah. And this old gent comes in, like proper old school dub. And he sits up in, onto his bar stool and he calls for a pint. And the young fella pulls a pint, but as he's topping it off, puts a shamrock, the shape of a shamrock in the top of it. Probably out of just habit, you know, probably coming from yeah. the Keys uptown or the Temple Bar or something like that. Put the shamrock in the pop, top of it and puts it down in front of your man. And the old fella looks at the top of the pint and he looks at the young fella and looks back to the top of the pint again and he says, do I look like a fucking tourist to you, do I? <laughs> and your man kind of went, what are you whinging at? Like, just drink your fucking pint like, and stop, stop giving yeah, out. And with that, a hand came around the corner from behind the bar and grabbed the young fella by the scruff of the neck and pulled him around the corner. About two or three minutes later, he came back with the tail between his legs and was like, sorry, I'll pour you another pint. So obviously, I'd say the boss man had probably overheard what's going on. And I'd say the old (laughs) fella goes in there day in, day out. It's like, just pour him another pint. (laughs) Stop your wind. That's hilarious. That's a good story. But it's it's just little little gems like that that you you pick up in Irish pubs. These little nuggets of Irish culture uh, that you don't see anywhere else. I know, and it, like it's it's kind of sad that you're saying this now because it, how, what's your feelings? Are we going to lose this now? I no, I don't think it'll definitely change. Um, it'll mm. it'll definitely change and it'll adapt. I think it's it's too strong in some parts of Ireland that that heritage and that culture that, and mm. particularly in rural Ireland, it's it's not going to disappear. Um, mm. No, the Irish pub in rural Ireland is definitely struggling. Uh, as yeah. as a business, from a business point of view, um, it is it is going to be tough. Like it's different for the likes of Dublin or Galway, where we have the footfall. You know that okay, when we do open our doors, we'll be able to kind of re- recoup fairly quick. But for small little pubs in the middle of Ireland, it's going to be very tough to get back up and going again because they survive off one night one night of the week, like a Saturday night. 
that's when they make their money. Yeah. The, every other night, if, if they get five or six guys in through the door, they're doing well, you know? Um, so that that's going to be going to be tough for them. But that kind of sense of the old pub culture and, mm. and that pub heritage is still still going to be there. Like a couple of weeks ago, we were in phase three, and mm. obviously the we're about to open the wet. Yeah, pubs. <laughs> well, wet pubs were back open, but we couldn't we okay. couldn't drink inside. It was the outside area only, and there was yeah. a couple of bars here in Galway that had their smoking areas open. One in particular has a, a kind of a cozier smoking area. It's, a, it's, you know, in back in the yard and it's all, all well spread out. But at one stage I was sitting in there having a pint after, uh, after a day's work. And I knew, and these are all varying kind of age groups, but I knew 90% of the lads inside in the place. And we were all kind of chatting back and forth. Now at a distance, like you're still all spread out. But the fact that we yeah. all knew each other in some way, shape, or form, and within a you know couple, maybe ten or fifteen square meters of each other, we had these ten lads all spread out and distanced that had all come in separately, but yet we're still chatting and having the crack and having a laugh. So it was the kind of the closest thing in a long time, like I felt like being in an old pub again. Yeah, yeah that's it was lovely. Fun. Yeah, but yeah, I'm gonna have to. Take you back yeah. though. So that initial that initial announcement, you know, back in March. So you're you're flat out walking probably to be honest. So you're probably were you kind of happy, not happy, but like going okay. This gives me a bit of time to think of what's going on. It was it was tough, man, to tell you the truth, because yeah, because it? like considering that a lot of my work is fairly seasonal, you know. So I would kind yeah. of be coming to the end of my season, say. Yeah, exactly. Like this this time of the year, I'm normally on the wind down. Like I'm normally starting to kind of take a bit of a breather, take a breath. Where like during the summer, from Paddy's Day till October, beginning of November, I'm like six to seven days a week, you know. And then Mm. now now I can go get down to like three or four days a week and take a bit of a break and have a have a bit of a breather. But then like January and February, you spend gearing up to kind of get everything in order. You know, you're getting your contracts out. You're kind of building everything that you're you're solid come March. And March is like a flick mm. of a switch. As soon as March comes, okay. it's like a week before Paddy's Day. It's like bang, and you're back into it. And you're like six to seven days mm. a week again, and it's just go, 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 go. Now, mm. we were just about to flick that switch. We were just about to mm. all go. Um, I had obviously had cracking culture on the go. I was also going into a partnership with uh in another business and that was kind of doing something fairly similar so that was about was just about to launch uh yeah and it was definitely it was racking rack, racking up gears also in galway we had the european capital of culture for 2020 you know so this sure. is going to be a massive deal i thought this is going to be it i have this season i'm going to have the mortgage at the end of this season that's going you know it's going to be a, a year to make the money uh, yeah, but then it just that announcement. I remember that announcement. I was in sitting in the scaf bar. I was at the high table in sure. the scaf bar with the laptop open, doing a bit of work with a coffee. And yeah. as the announcement came in, the phone started hopping. 
uh, as to oh. what are we going to do. And the the and had you got bookings? Yeah, bookings yeah, we'd so, we'd yeah. we'd fairly serious bookings come in. Like I I had uh, a regular contract that I would have from a big tour company in the states that I was kind of locked in with that I was going to have X amount of tours every week, and oh. um, that would be a fairly serious pay packet, you know. Yeah. Um, and then we had the business, the other business, the one I was in partnership with was just about to launch as well. So there was kind of interest starting to kind of bubble around that, um, as well as other bits and pieces with with bars and uh, that that I was going to be hosting events and stuff like that. So things were kind of gearing up fairly nicely. Um, uh, initially, like we all thought, it was going to be kind of yeah, short. and I think that's what yes. we all thought. We all kind of everything went okay. Listen, we'll just take this as a bit of a breather. We'll put everything on the back burner just for a little bit. It kind of gives us a chance to be a little bit more settled. So kind of, I mm. suppose the, the office and the admin and the background end of work didn't stop. That was yeah, that was still kind of bubbling, bubbling along, just going, right, as soon as we're going now, we'll open the traps and we'll be ready to go. But then it just seemed to go on and on. And this is the thing that it's still ongoing. There's no, there's no end in sight. I think that's the trouble for a lot of people. And obviously, you you've you've built a relationship with all these local pubs in Galway now. I'm sure, so you're probably feeling it for them as well I, as yourself. This obviously. is a hundred percent. Like I'm like these guys that I work with. Like, okay, I'm bringing tourists into this pub, but these these guys that own these pubs and the bar staff that work in them, these are my friends. These are the people I I hang yeah. out with and I know, be it musicians that work there or, or bar staff that work there or, or whatever case is. Um, and you can see them on a daily basis and you're chatting to them like uh, during the last lockdown like literally when they'd opened for a couple of weeks and then were told to close again the next day I went walking through town and I was kind of bumping into guys and they're you're you're going how how are you feeling and just like they're shaking their head at you they're like we don't know like and it's tough like especially when you're, you're still paying rent on a place, you're still doing mm. all this, and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to be here when we when we get to reopen. Yeah, you know, so that's that's tough on them. Um, it's tough on on the owners, particularly. It's tough on the bar staff. I know they're getting the the old pub payment and all that now, but they don't want to be on that. They want to be working. You know, they want to be out grafting. Yeah, uh, I'm sure a lot of girls get. Yeah, this is this is it. You know, yeah. and it's. Uh, it's tough and it's, it's like everything's been put on pause um, but yeah. you don't know when things are going to restart again so it's only it's the likes of myself I'm going out well do we, do we look at getting into other work and other jobs do we have to just pause everything for the time being and, and, and adapt mm. especially with the little one arrived this year you know so, yeah congratulations but I wanted to uh, obviously obviously I said yeah. <laughs> thank you yeah yeah uh, i'm not that bad of a cousin to everybody <laughs> no 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 yeah you get you give you give us the whole low yeah you give us the low no, um, he's gorgeous and um I, I obviously i was gonna bring that up because that was a worry i'm sure in your mind as well you know your emma your partner's she's due a baby the pubs have closed your income is substantially decreased you know so I'm sure it was stuff to get over. So I'm, I'm happy. Well, I'm happy you got over it in the sense of you, you came through yeah. it. Yeah. Dear aside. 
So I know it's still not the end in sight, but you're you're setting up these Zoom yeah, yeah. things. Like I'm, I'm not one for worrying. <laughs> like I'm never yeah. I'm never one for worrying. Worrying, as far as I'm concerned, is just wasted energy. You know, and yeah. it's I'm kind of one of these. I'm very much like the missus gives out to me all the time. She goes, "If you kick the bucket, she goes, I'm just going to have this written on your headstone. It it'll be grand." And that's kind of very much mm. going. It'll be grand. Don't worry, we'll sort it. Be... No, it's good. It's good to have that notion. I think you get that probably. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's none of us in the family uh, that are all too panicky. Uh, in in in, in yeah. my my yeah. click anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, they're all fairly yeah. all fairly solid and go. Listen, there's no point in stressing over it. We'll deal with it. It's it's fine. Uh, so like I've no problem. Yeah. Like I've 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 adapted. I'm doing the online stuff. I've taken up little bits of project management work here and there, um, to kind of mm. help get get through it. Um, because I was yeah. obviously same as everyone else I was on that put payment and all that and that gets to a point you're like oh my god I am going to run my head through the wall I cannot be staring at these four walls anymore I need to get out <laughs> and do something uh, I I think yeah, I, sorry, I even like for for a brief little time like get the, I went from doing what I normally do I went working in B&Q for a while <laughs> like I went I went in I went right I have a child now I need to get working and that's it and I, <laughs> I went and I found the first job that that came up I went like apply I was in the next day I was handed a little orange pinny thing and was told to go out and sell kitchens <laughs> and I went Grant I can shite I can shite off for Ireland that's no problem at all exactly. uh, so I can sure I can sell a kitchen but I lasted all of 10 days at that thankfully I was offered another position that was definitely more up my alleyway, so <laughs> I I shifted out yeah. away from that. Well, yeah, you're too, you're too good to be. Well, not that not that a job being cute is bad for anybody, but it was it was just wasn't me. It just was it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, it's not you. And like the passion you have for these pub tours and even the online classes is amazing. It's it comes across even just through social media now i know you set up recently uh, a youtube page you're gonna start putting yeah videos, yes right? youtube's only only just been launched after months and months of talking about it and eventually kind of giving myself a kick in the arse and going right get it. obviously i've been i've been playing on the instagram stuff and the facebook they've been yeah. there and kind of tipping along on the day-to-day uh but it's about time i kind of give myself a kick especially with this free time that we have to now it's great. I love the first video about the whiskey. Yeah, nice. I had to say, well, we had to go back to a bit because I'm obviously just been recently yeah. a father myself. So we're both we're both in the same boat here now. So listen, talk to me. Have you got any? And, uh, I do you know what? <laughs> the first six weeks, first six six to eight weeks there thereabouts, I, I was on total mm. daddy duty. Um, because oh, I was doing my feeds, you? yeah, I, I was Dang. because obviously it had taken a lot out of Mammy, and Mammy was on the recoup, yeah. and I wasn't working. You know, it was like almost yeah. forced parental leave, which was which was which was kind of great. <laughs> you know, it, it, it meant because it, yeah, you got to you got to see the first few like weeks of your daughter. Yeah, like little, you probably most likely wouldn't really. That would have it would hundred percent. Like Molly That's was born right. in mid July or mid June, I should say, and um, yeah. so it was. It was great that normally I would have maybe been able to pull three or four days to spend three or four days at home 
and then I would have been back out into mm. work again, um, out of necessity. Yeah. But now I had time at home and I could spend the time at home. So I kind of went, the way it worked out really well was my, a lot of what I do on Zoom with the online whiskey tastings is to a US market. So that's nighttime work. Like I'm starting them at midnight. I was thinking that, you yeah, know, yeah. So course, I start yeah. these Zooms at, at 11 o'clock midnight and I'm finishing them like two or three in the morning. Uh, that's it so I just went straight into an night feed (laughs) (laughs) you know did did a night feed with her and got her down again Mm. had a sneaky little whiskey myself and then I I potted off to bed (laughs) and then Emma would do the my missus would do the the morning shift and take over so it kind of worked it worked really well you know it was a nice kind of perfect perfect balance obviously now I'm back doing the daytime stuff again so uh, in fairness she's great she's uh Emma, um, the missus, has kind of taken up the slack there. She does most of the, the nighttime stuff now. Fair play to her because I'm working during the day. I try to uh, get the early morning one. If there's one in early morning, like 6, 30, 7 o'clock-ish, I try to get that. Um, yeah. That I'll do that one then before I go into into work now. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's things that people don't tell you. Like, you know, like the night feeds are tough, all right, but like I'm actually... I'm bad at times because once I yeah. hit the pillow, I hit the pillow. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> now I think it's subconsciously though when I know my partner Nadine like is beside me. If I know she's awake, then if I know she's in the room, I know she's gonna wake with the baby crying. But if I'm on my own, yeah. I think I'd wake up. But <laughs> I there is de- there is definitely that no, subconscious I, thing. I get that. Like if if Emma has to yeah. go for some reason and she's off in town or or something like that, and. Uh, I'm I, you're, you're on alert, you know, and you just hear. Whereas when you know she's there, you're not. You're not to the same extent. Uh, so there's definitely that yeah. kind of built-in sensor that you okay and right. I need to be kind of consciously aware of it now. But it's uh, it is great, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. It's the pe- stuff that people don't tell you. You know, uh, like I had yeah. a, I had a buddy of mine who said to me he who doesn't doesn't have kids, and he says to me, Joe, mm. he says. The, I was talking to a good friend of mine who, who has two kids and he says the first couple of years are easy he says because they're not properly online yet he says they haven't switched on he says you're just kind of going through ticking the boxes with them and this was before Molly arrived and then uh, after a couple of weeks he kind of went yeah so what is it is it easy I said man it's it's tough it's tough I said it's lovely I said I wouldn't change a thing about it I said but it's tough and he was like, how are they tough? He says, they're just yeah. sleeping and eating and shitting. And like, that's all they do. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I said, but it's constant. And I was, it's like, you yeah, go to a do, exactly. do a week's work. You know you're off Friday night. Like, you know, you know, five o'clock Friday mm. evening, you're done. You're not back in that door until Monday morning. And consciously in your head, you can yeah. kind of go, oh yeah, that's, that's the, the finish line. So you know, there's, so this is mm. constant. I was like, that's the tough element. You know, you've cleaned that nappy. You've changed that nappy. You know you have to do that again in another four hours. <laughs> I know. And then well, you have all the head age on. Well, I'm only, I'm only, yeah. he's only just turned one, my son. First of all, it goes quick. So I do, I say embrace it. But also, you'd be wishing like, oh, I just hope they can crawl around. Then they'd be less hassle. <laughs> uh, more hassle. No, yeah. More hassle yeah. when they crawl around. Oh, and now it's like he's starting to walk a little bit. It's like, oh, okay, once he can walk fully, I'm sure you'll be fine. No, he's, he's up to yeah. everything, the whole lot. 
So, um, oh, he's up the stairs like a bow of hell. The speed he goes up those stairs now. Well, it's, like, oh it's, 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 it's great. Like, I'm, I'm only 14. Uh, what am I? No, I'm dun, 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 four months now. Uh, just over four months, four months. and because uh, I was going to say, why why do we always have to do what's this thing when babies arrive? We have to talk in feckin' weeks, like this this stupid thing. Yeah, no, oh, they're fourteen no. weeks, they're eighteen weeks, they're not. You know, I know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There. I don't go with the weeks like that. You can go like that. <laughs> yeah, like, like you're four and months now. Months. That's it, right? Grow up, go out, and get yourself a job. You're four exactly. months. Start doing something. Uh, was, <laughs> like you do. Like it, it's it's great. I love the the if if I'm out to work for the day because now I'm obviously I'm out mm. working in different couple of different man, project management jobs now, uh, and when I come home, yeah. even after it's only been you know, eight or 10 hours I've been gone, I'm noticing something new. You know, it's like you've changed in those eight hours. It's just the change is so rapid. It's mad, isn't it? And yeah, it's great. And every time she can do something new, you get all excited. You're like, ah, yeah, it's brilliant. Um, so I'm loving it. I'm absolutely lo- I- I'm loving being a dad. Yeah, all that, all that. Exactly. Oh, that's great, man. And so am I, actually. All that stress and all that anger, all fades away when you see oh, like, yeah. a smile from her. This, this is it. Smile. You know, like... <laughs> Uh, he grabs you or he just laughs at you or something and like, yeah oh, okay you're all right pal. like last last night we had a tough night he was it could have been teething but he was up and yeah uh, up all night you know couldn't wait we're snapping at each other we were we're getting angry blah 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 and then uh he woke up this morning a big smile on his face got in the bed was and that's it it just all went away yeah <laughs> like, yeah you're you kind of it's it it does it just melts uh and yeah. it's like it's crazy. Like, I, I know people have said it before. It's like, it's like nothing else in the world. Like, you won't understand it. It's, and it, you don't, no matter how anyone would tell you beforehand. When you're uh, a young guy and you haven't got any kids, and uh, people tell yeah. you, oh, your life changes when you have kids. And you're like, yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. What goes, you know, and it's the, it's the, like my my buddies. I've got just like a core group about four or five of us, and uh, they they always called me Daddy Johnny anyway, because I was the minder <laughs> of the group. Like I would look after them and you know make sure if they're like if something was going on, they come and talk to Johnny <laughs> about it. I just put the Bit, you know, yeah, that's, that's it, like and uh, well. <laughs> you know that you'd, you'd be the one, you'd be the sensible head looking after them. Um, says the man who's made alcohol yeah. his career, but <laughs> um, I'd be the sensible <laughs> one looking after them. And they uh, they go now, no, yeah, you're officially now, you're proper that we can actually call you Daddy Johnny now, uh, which is great. But that, mm-hmm. in fairness, they're great guys. We obviously, um, when Molly was born, obviously there was no pubs open, so we couldn't wet the baby's head. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, big a, one that we, we actually, yeah. <laughs> couldn't wet the baby's head. And a buddy of mine, Kieran, rang me and he goes, "Listen, he says, uh, what are we going to do? We have to wet the baby's head. We have to sort it, do something." And I was like, "Sure, where can we go?" I was like, "Unless you want to come around to my place, bring some cans." And he went, "Yeah." Mm. He says, "Listen, you get on to the in-laws, invite the father-in-law and the brother-in-law, tell them to come down. I'll be there tomorrow evening at five o'clock." It's mm. so, like perfect. So obviously. Molly and Mammy were still in the hospital. I arrived home to get myself a bit of kip. So I had about three or four hours kip. Got up knowing that the lads would be arriving at five o'clock because obviously it was the lockdown. I wasn't allowed to go back into the hospital again. Uh, you know? With, with, yeah. 
which also I wanted to touch on a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that 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 was, that, that, was that was kind yeah. of tough uh, because especially because Molly was um, Molly was early. She wasn't due. She was about four weeks early, um, yeah. which was a, a little bit of a shock to the system. So you couldn't be a supporter. Yeah, I mean, just, no, it was you know, it was lucky, is, I suppose. Like I got Emma went in for uh, blood pressure check and normal checkup and all that kind of stuff that they yeah. do and uh, so she, she'd she gone in and, and she was being kept in overnight which had happened a couple of times uh, no major concern mm. so uh, they were she'd be kept in for observation and so I was at home feet up in front of the telly had the dinner finished I was about to put on a movie you know and the phone rings and uh, Emma's there and she goes listen the doctor said if you want you can come in and see me and I was like oh great and mm. she goes will you bring in my labour bag while you're at it and I was like um, are we expecting something and she goes no 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 she goes I don't think we're expecting anything <laughs> but the doctors want me to have it here just in case anything happens so I was like yeah okay no, no problem Yeah. so down I went anyway and I, I arrived in and she's there she's in she's in good old form and the midwives are kind of buzzing around and then yeah. doctor comes in cool as fuck Egyptian doctor called Tyreek and most chilled out <laughs> doctor I've ever met in my life and he arrives in and he's like listen <laughs> we're not happy with your blood pressure Emma your blood pressure is too high which isn't good because it means if you get a too much of a spike in a blood pressure you can go into a seizure that's not good for you or baby mm. so you yeah. only have high blood pressure because you're because you're pregnant that's it so let's yeah. make you not pregnant. I was like, what? <laughs> it was just cool. It's like, that's it. It's he goes, just let's right. make you not pregnant. I'm like, right. Okay. So I'm in a bit kind of shocked at this stage because this is like 10 o'clock at night. And uh, we're like, yeah. right. Okay. What's that mean? And he goes, we're going to do an emergency section on it. So it went pretty much from me rambling down after dinner with, Emma's labour bag thinking I'm going in to say hello and go home again to at 10 o'clock at night to at seven minutes past midnight having Molly in my arms you know Man, isn't it? yeah less, like less than two hours you know you, oh, like like the world changed yeah. a lot sooner than I was expecting it to you know absolutely I'm sorry I interrupted you with the oh story. yeah so for the for, so for the, the guy so we were doing the wetting the baby's head and we'd the lads came around, about four or five of us in the house, and uh, the, the the brother-in-law and the the, the father-in-law came in, and uh, well, everyone had you know yeah. had cans, Guinness cans with them. Next thing, this truck, I look out, and this truck is reversing its way up my driveway. I'm like, what? What the hell is this? So I go up yeah. to the front door, and I open up the front door, and here's this lad jumps out of the truck, and he opens up the back of the truck, and here is near a fully fledged pub system, keg tap the whole job lot in the back of the jeep the lads have hired a dial a pint and I haven't had a pint in me love since March and this was now mid end of June and I had my very first pint of Guinness in that in that many months, well, I shed I, I shed a tear, Dan, and I'm not quite sure if I shed a tear because I just become a daddy, or I shed a tear because of my first pint of Guinness in so long. But either, either way, it it was an emotion. It was an emotional moment. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! 
but it, it, it is it's it's great it's it's, there's there's nothing like it in the world uh, right. and it it's, it just gets better all the time now there's some like oh this is this is tough um but oh yeah like I, I think people if if people don't say it's tough I think they're lying. Yeah, yeah. Your parents are lying. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, it, either either they're yeah, lying no, or they just do. didn't do a fucking tap. You know. <laughs> yeah, true. Maybe. Yeah. Now, a friend of mine's he's on the podcast the other time. Mom, yeah. he's he's so honest about it. It's completely like he goes, like I ask him all the serious stuff, and he goes, "No, no, it's crazy. You'd be in bits. Uh, mine are up all night." Don't worry about that. He's <laughs> like so honest yeah. about it, which is kind of helpful. I think oh, is much better definitely. for parents rather than, oh, no, mine sleeps throughout the night. Yeah. Mine sleeps from 12 hours. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and uh, well, listen, John, I'm not going to keep yeah, you sure. long. I want to ask you a few little things, but then I want to, I want you to share your, um, is it a poem or a story? Yeah. But before we get to that, I'm going to, how, how do you know the perfect point of Guinness? Is it just because of the pub? I, 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 I typically for, say for, for for people listening, how how could they know? Uh, I I always say there's there's three things make the perfect pint of Guinness, uh, and you're not necessarily going to know two of them by walking in the door, but uh, okay. and any bartenders okay. that are listening could probably uh, let you know one way or the other whether they agree with this or not. But first, one I always consider is the flow. The flow is how much Guinness you're serving on any given day. The more Guinness you're serving, the better it is. Yeah. But t- so typically, if you walk in yeah, the door that's that- and you look around, if everyone's drinking a lager and nobody's drinking a Guinness, maybe double double think about whether you're going to have a Guinness or not because you don't want to be the very first Guinness of the day. Mm-hmm. You know? So look around well, and see what if there's a couple of Guinness already out. Go for Guinness, you should be okay. Second one is the length of the line. Distance between the tap and the keg. Okay. Now, typically, the shorter that is, the better. This, this is something that's debated among bartenders uh, because I have no people that will, will kind of argue the point with me. But from my experience and the bars that I've worked in down through the years, typically the length of the line is, has a direct correlation. So if, if the length of the line is short and the flow is good, it means that Guinness is, isn't sitting in the line for any kind of prolonged length of time, which means it's constantly moving, yeah, makes which, sense. Kind of, which is kind of what you want. Cool. Um, then the third thing is typically Irish and plural placebo, but it's the venue you're in. If you walk in and it's dark wood <laughs> and it's mahogany and there's a couple of old guys sitting at the bar already drinking Guinness, you know, mm. and the pictures are slightly askew and there's dust on the ground and the bartender will probably grunt at you. You know the Guinness is going to be good. Yeah. You know, it's 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 already it's it's already yeah, been in your that, head. Yeah, that well. yeah, yeah. yeah but you know the flip side of that is if you yeah. walk into a bar and it's chrome and it's trendy and there's people sitting around drinking cocktails and it's plush. Well, do you know the hairy stout drinking mm. guy is not necessarily their target market. You know, it's, it's maybe, maybe go for a cocktail <laughs> for or a whiskey or a bottle of beer. <laughs> you know, it's these trendy spots are not geared yeah. to look after us beer bellied Guinness drinkers, you know? Yeah. 
So basically, everything about the paper from the Guinness was wasn't even anything about the look and feel. It was more just about the yeah, and the, 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 like that's that's the thing. It's 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 debated all the time. I think the atmosphere is definitely something that that goes into it. Like you're not going to nobody mm. is is going to say, you know, go into a really trendy bar or or nightclub or something like that and go, just that's a great point to Guinness." Uh, just because it doesn't fit, you know, it's just not. Yeah. Right. We're gonna mention like, because you know the way when you drink it. I I often do it now because somebody taught me years ago. But I think and you say it yourself, your first oh, yeah. cup of the Guinness is nearly half yeah. Guinness. Yeah. And I do that now, and I love it. But and then the end of the Guinness, when you have all the foam around the glass, then I think that's a sign of it. Yeah, and I love to tell the story of, of our granddad. Dan, when he used to finish, so working on the on the the canals in Dublin, and he finish up work, and he he'd go for his pint, and as soon as yeah. he stepped foot in the door of the lock, they knew he was having a pint. So the pint would be put on straight away as soon as he walked in through the door, and he'd put it in front of him, and as soon as that pint touched his lips, the second pint went on, because the first one would be gone in two oh, months, two months, because that w- that was the third <laughs> That fit, yeah. that was your day's work done. You had two mouthfuls of that. That quenched the thirst and kind of settled down into it. And you kind of you sank down into the chair and you relaxed a little bit. And then you can kind of get into your pace for the second one, which I love. I think that's hmm. kind of how Guinness is typically drank anyway. Like you that's don't great, drink yeah. Guinness to get drunk. Like if you wanted, you you drink something. Like because you that's... walk into a door and you order a pint of Guinness and you sit down. It's going to be you know four to five minutes before that pint hits your lips because you mm. you, you get your bar stool, you order your pint, you get yourself comfortable. It's the two part pour, obviously traditionally, and by the time you're finished and it's or by the time the, the the pour is finished and it's settled in front of you, you've already started chatting to the bartender or chatting to the fellow beside you, and you, you've gone kind of chatting mm. and relaxed down, and then you get to sip. On that very first mouthful of Guinness, and I, I'm, I'm getting, I'm making myself oh, thirsty you. here, man. You're getting thirsty. You. You're getting thirsty. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm drilling. So it and just answer a myth for me because I don't know. Somebody told me this before, but you shouldn't have a point. Like I know it's probably sacrilegious, first of all, to get have a point of Guinness in a plastic cup. Yeah. But these days with delivery, and <laughs> you might have to have a plastic cup, but. It's all about the shape of the pint glass there, as well. There is, Honestly, and like... the shape of the pint glass definitely comes into effect. Uh, and this comes pretty much for for any beers that that you're drinking. Like most beers, mm. um, be it a Guinness Stout or be it a Heineken or a Pilsner or a wheat beer, no matter what it is, um, the branded glass that they've they've kind of issued with the with the branding and, and the, the sales of, of that mm. is the, the optimum shaped glass, you know, uh, for whatever reason, um, yeah. you know, like say for instance, like a lot of people would be familiar with Erdinger, you know, it's a wheat beer and it's the tall skinny glass with that kind of bulb on top. Yeah. Like oh, that's designed like that yeah. because the, the bulb is to take the head of the, of the, of the beer and it should be a large head because that's where all the yeast is in the beer when you when you pour correctly and that's where you get a lot of your flavor from so when it comes to your guinnesses yeah definitely like the shape of your glass is definitely going to take take effect um 
I know they went kind of trendy a couple of years ago and they tried to do this kind of contoured glass um, that they're still putting out there. It didn't really go down well with diehard yeah. Guinness drinkers. They weren't huge fans of it. Um, I think they were trying to be a little bit too trendy and kind of go after the Heineken market um, a, li- a little bit too much. But I know yeah. a lot of guys down here in Galway and a lot of guys I know that are diehard Guinness drinkers around the country that will say Guinness in a straight glass, you know, uh, because they want that old style, old oh, style yeah. traditional stacking glass, you know, uh, and that's just how yeah. they feel comfortable. And I think that's a lot of it as well is when it comes to Guinness and whiskey for that matter, there's a lot of kind of heritage to it and tradition that it's not necessarily sciencey. You know, it's not necessarily right or wrong. You can get into the science yeah. of it and kind of delve down into it. But really, it comes down to that's the yeah. glass I've always used for drinking Guinness, and that's the glass I like. And I don't think it tastes the same out of another glass because I'm not used to that glass. You know? And I think, there, yeah, okay. there's, there's a little bit that. of hair. Yeah, like having a plastic glass is not ideal, uh, especially for something like Guinness where it has yeah. a creamier head on it and you want to be able to keep control of your head my tip is to people if they have to have a if they have to have it in a plastic double wall your glass your, your plastic so have have, have two plastics together <laughs> that makes it a little bit sturdier yeah. it's going to keep a little bit more control of that mm. that head and that foam <laughs> very good great I uh, know so yes we're going to go to my next question uh, one second sorry Sorry, the, the kettle got torn off quite loud. <laughs> um, so, I had to, you had to share that uh, your short story that you put up on Instagram recently. Uh, so, I have a little thing on the podcast called Creative Corner. So, um, I use, I'm gonna probably edit the little jingle. Do the jingle Actually, live. No, just do the jingle live. How about that? This is cre- okay. One, two, three. and this is Creative Corner. I love it. Dan. I love it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Okay, so um, so, so well, I, I suppose so this is, is kind of here's to the real Irish pub, and uh, it was just a kind of bit of a poetry piece that I I put together, um, kind of just reflecting on real Irish pubs and what it means to be in a real Irish pub and how they're so important to uh, to our culture. So I'll stop shouting yeah. about it and I'll just read the second thing. The creak of a bar stool, Good stuff. the call for a pint, with a chaser of whiskey, a beautiful sight. That settling weight as the world stops in time, as the cloudiness clears, a moment sublime. The bartender chats, serving pints as he goes, spotting the nod of the order he knows. And the local character as he'd sit in your ear with the price of cattle and a county final last year. The hipster looking for a list of craft beer and the dolly bird told there's no cocktails here. The tourists taking their pint as it sits on first pour. The drunkard chancing his arm, but showing the door. Not tonight, buddy. The effing, the blinding, some laughter, some tears. In council of friends over some beers. Who's rounds it now? Same again as it, lads. Do you do food, gourmet, tato and stout? Where tradition is trendy, but it's not set in its ways. And the fast pace of life gives way to slower days. When pints are the reason, but they're not the point that you came. And the crack has no real definition or name. If you have to ask, then you won't understand. It's something deeper than that drink in your hand. But no matter what you call it, 
be it local or pub, it's the Irishness here that's in our blood. Slantia. Go on, Margaret. Uh, I love it, John. Fair play to you. Yeah, so it's, it's a kind of just, uh, I was surprised by it. I kind of, I'd been milling this around in my head for a while and I, I kind of read it to, to one of my buddies and uh, over a pint in, in Taylor's Bar in Galway and he went, man, that's class. He says, let's record it and, and bang it up now. So we just, uh, right. we recorded it and threw it up online uh, just like off the cuff. Like you can even see it, like I'm still reading it on the phone, you know. Uh, as I do it, and that got yeah, something like yeah. eighteen thousand views, something something crazy. Um, so I said, "Listen, why don't we just do a, a proper production of it?" So I managed to to pull him in, and uh, we went around to a couple of my favorite pubs uh, in town and recorded a kind of a proper production of it, and we put that up online, and that's on something like forty two thousand views now. Um, which is just crazy for uh, little old me here in the west coast of Ireland just throwing something up online. Um, so it's great, yeah. I know, but well, that's it's that's it deserves it because it's actually it's well, it, yeah. it brings gives you emotion as you hear them. Like, even, even I know I'm, uh, I'm, I'm related to you and you're a cousin of mine, but even if we were a stranger and I just saw that come up online, I would have stopped, played, listened, and then just kind of taking it back and taking it all No in. problem, no problem. So thanks for sharing. Much appreciated. Sure. Uh, so before I let you go, uh, what I usually do is I, la- I ask 10 questions, um, standard questions from a... Sh- James Lipton used to do this questionnaire. Um, people who listen <laughs> to the podcast are probably sick of me giving the intro, yeah. but he basically asks these 10 generic questions. Well, uh, um and I'm going to ask you and ten. They're not quite hard. There are four things that come to your head. So my favorite what's your word, favorite word? Oh, will be feck. My least favorite word. Uh, oh. What's your least favorite word? That's that's a tough one. Uh, my least favorite word is paperwork. Just dread, dreads the fucking thought of it. Okay, that's not yeah. Order. <laughs> what turns you on creativity, spiritually, emotionally? Um, what makes you kind of happy? What makes me happy? I I I like to see other people being happy in whatever situation they're in. So I like to see people when they're motivated about something. That gets that gets me get, gets me happy. Um, I suppose yeah. creativity. Um, it said- kind of follows in the same vein when you see somebody who is kind of trying something and they get motivated and get excited um about mm. it and you kind of feed off their their positivity and their buzz from it uh, and that's i love that yeah yeah i say you get the adrenaline rush as well when like you when you used to oh, do man, those yeah. tours it's live like i can i consider it kind of almost being on stage like yeah. you're on stage for for that, what x amount of hours be exactly. it two or three hours at a time and the buzz you get from it yeah. like from you having control of that situation and that people are hanging on your word and they're enjoying it and they're enjoying the the interaction and and the crack and the banter um it's mm. there's there's a great buzz i suppose like i still 
can't ever get over the the my very first tour I ever did, like the buzz I had for three or four days afterwards, you know, and um, just knowing. Yeah, that's what's going to exactly that, the fact that it had gone well, like, and it just kind of kicked me into gear. Yeah. And I'm like, this is amazing. Um, yeah. so then you have times like it's just kind of spreading out from that, starting off doing a really small little like my very first tour was two people, uh, here in Galway doing a pub tour to mm. like last year hosting uh, a whiskey event in Taylor's Bar in Galway once again, hosting a whiskey event for them for. Uh, as as a pot still bar of the year competition, and uh, with twenty people sitting around drinking whiskey for a couple of hours and showcasing Irish whiskey, and then going on to win the event, win the the national competition, like that's great. It's great. It's kind of from one end of the spectrum to the other. Um, so it's it's yeah. any time to get a chance to kind of stand up and talk about something you're passionate about. That's that's a winner, you know. I love it. So uh, people whinging. What you off? What noise? <laughs> people whinging yep. and giving out and negativity. I it wrecks wrecks my head. Uh, you know these fecking naysayers. Uh, yeah. Just. Yeah. you could have gave me the answer. You could have gave me the answer for the next one already. But uh, I just another one. But what's my favorite, favorite curse word? I love the word feck, but the word fuck as a curse word is just phenomenal. <laughs> it just there's nothing better in this world to get the point like you can use fucking any scenario uh, and it'll it'll still work like you, I'm sure you're probably familiar with with Billy Connolly and him talking about the word for, like if you ever want to listen to a man talk more passionately about something Google Google Billy Connolly and fuck <laughs> and it's Oh, he's great! I saw, I saw him live. Yeah, the, he's definitely he's definitely an idol of mine. Uh, I love him as a storyteller and, and yeah. as a character. I adore him. I think he's absolutely brilliant. Mm. Um, he he's just one of those kind of characters. Like I love the fact that he used to be a welder and that just didn't fit in and wanted to kind of try stuff and kind of worked from there. Yeah. Like one of one of my favorite stories about him is that he uh, he became a folk musician and he was playing gigs. And he was interviewed by a, by a local news reporter. And they said, what's it like to be one of Scotland's big up-and-coming comedians? And he said, since when am I a comedian? I'm a folk singer. Mm-hmm. Because he started talking during his gigs while he was playing. <laughs> and more, over time, he talked more and played Same. less. Oh so eventually, there were actually stand-up gigs rather than musical gigs. And he... Yeah, because that's what his jokes that, are like. That's it. Like. Yeah, he, he, t- he tells the story. story. So he's really. he's definitely he's an absolute like, idol of mine, uh, and he uh, his love of the word fuck has definitely rubbed off. And I do I don't use it half enough. <laughs> I should use it a lot more, but no better word in this world to get your point across. Okay, so the next question: sound is, what sound noise do you love? Um, well, I suppose if I could sound really soppy here and go, oh, the sound of my child laughing. Uh, <laughs> as a... Yeah. I thought you were going to go more like the sound of the... Well, let's see. This, this, the... this is a good I sound. I wonder, can you hear this now? Hang on. Oh, yeah. 
Do you like that? that oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's a bottle of, of Powers John's Lane that I have sitting here in front of me that I'm just opening. Um, but the the, the whiskey... The, that's a good sound. Yeah. Sound or noise do I what hate? Um, do I hate? Oh, do you know what? And this is kind of morbid. And uh, so I don't want to bring a whole downer on the thing. Mm. Um, but the noise that the, the noise that hits me in my Your stomach is, that I hate <laughs> um, anytime I hear it, and people that are from Galway mm. will associate with this, is the, the noise of the Coast Guard chopper. The Coast Guard chopper going overhead is a sound that turns my stomach. Oh. Uh, but so typically, typically it's for one or two reasons. Either there's somebody, it comes out quite a lot for somebody who has gone into the water. Yeah, for whatever reason, they could have thrown themselves or fallen off one of the bridges here that goes over the River Carob, uh, or there could be an issue mm. out in the bay. Uh, also, they get called for any emergency medical situations out in the Aran Islands. So you'll hear it go over, um, go over us when they're heading out to the Aran Islands to a, a medivac. But uh, when you hear the yeah. when you hear the chopper hovering, uh, it's they're searching for somebody in the water, and that's just a that's this feeling that just turns your stomach. Jane, you never had. That's a very going answer. Yeah, going yeah, and it, I like, think anyone, know, anyone that's lived in Galway it. City, um, and especially I think anyone that's lived in Galway City and worked in the night yeah. industry, because that's when you hear it most often is in the middle of the night. Uh, it's it's one of those like you're walking home from work after finishing a night working in the pub, and you hear it out, and you're like, oh fuck, Do you know. Yeah. <clears throat> And then the last one, well, the last three is what profession? What profession other, than, other than my own would I like to do? Um, I don't know. I, it's, I suppose, do I consider myself a professional? So, that? <laughs> Just pure chancer. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I suppose. Do you know, like briefly for and uh, like when I, it's mad. Like looking back at what I wanted to do when I was growing up. Um. Like I've done so many jobs. Like when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I was full convinced I was going into the army. That was it. Uh, and then I thought I was going to go into the guards. Um, but then they had sure they had the embargo on guards. They weren't hiring guards for ten years, uh, so I didn't bother with that. Um, then I I went and did a brief stint not brief i did it for a couple of years before i moved to galway and put on four stone of guinness um i was an outdoor instructor so i used to teach <laughs> climbing and kayaking and stuff like that so if i wasn't doing this i yeah, would be back in that world yeah okay uh, so what's that what what job or profession would you least like well to do? speaking from a yeah <laughs> speaking of the That'd worst job i ever had <laughs> lasted all of about two hours and I was living in Dublin at the time and I needed to find a job to, to kind of build up to Christmas. And I applied to this, this job. It was a sales job and I went into it and they said, your interview was actually just a trial. So you're just going to come out and sell for the day and see does it work. And I went, yeah, great. Come on, we'll go out. And it was selling fucking scratch cards on Henry Street in Dublin. You know, one of those pain in the ass people that come up to you when you're walking down along the street. One of them, and that lasted all of about two hours mm-hmm. until a fella spat at me 
and then I went to <laughs> went to grab him by the throat, and <laughs> it all escalated from there. And uh, I went screw this. So <laughs> but yeah, those those guys that stand in the street that go what do they call them chuggers or whatever they call them, um, that go begging for charities. Uh, yeah, great. Fair play. And the last question is: If heaven exists, would you like God to say to you at the pearly gates? What? <laughs> <laughs> the perfect answer. I love it, John. Right, mate. That was no great. hassle at all, Dan. Great it's been an absolute Thank pleasure you keeping me so long. You're a good man. And where can people find so, you? So, crack best, culture, best place to find me is uh, social media. Then everything is linked in through there. So it's at Crack and Culture. C R A I C. Uh, A-N-D-C-U-L-T-U-R-E Facebook, Instagram, Tinder, Grinder, TikTok, wherever. Uh, tag, tag, tag me. That's the best place <laughs> to find me and uh, get in contact with me. If there's uh, if people are looking for advice when it comes to whiskey, if you want to be kept up on whiskey reviews, day-to-day going on, or if you just want to hear me rambly talking shite, that's the place to go. Dan, it's been a pleasure. I we'll talk you. to you soon, buddy. Good, man. Thanks so much, John. Good night. God bless. And good luck. There you go. Perfect ending. That's how I'm going to end my show. See you, buddy. Bye, bye. Apologies again. It's happened again. The damn, sometimes when it sounds like I'm talking underneath John or he's talking over me, uh, it's obviously these are all done through Zoom. So I apologize to everybody listening if it was annoying you. Um, but I wanted to keep the interview because it was nice. And obviously there was gaps in between that. It doesn't sound like I'm talking over him, but towards the end with the James Lipton questionnaire, I'm finishing my question while John's answering it. It's not, uh, I don't. I can't blame myself. It's definitely not John's fault. I think it's just the Wi-Fi issues. So I'm having serious Wi-Fi issues at times. And, and this is... Obviously, yeah, I'm t- like it worked perfectly talking to somebody in New York, so it's just it's a look at the draw. He's in Galway, I'm in Dublin, and obviously, we can't be in the same room together. Eventually, when lockdown stops, we will be in the rooms together, and I'll do some interviews live with people, and it'll be much smoother audio. But, um, I just wanted to flag it with just that I did notice it, but I'm still releasing it. Sorry about you. So that was John Bourne, a true Irish patriot. You can actually just tell how much he loves Ireland and all things Irishness, as we were talking through there. Um, honestly, check out that site if you're in Galway, or not even in Galway, because he's doing the Zoom things now, so it'd be great anybody uh, listening abroad or in Ireland. If you want to learn about whiskey, just get on to Cracking Culture and book a Zoom class. Um, they're really good. And he knows a lot of details about, as he said in the conversation, you know, it's pure Irishness, not just like the old potatoes and leprechauns, you know, the generic people, the tourist people think of Irish people. But he knows the true history of Irish, Irish whiskey, Irish culture, and the true Irish pub. So that was a great conversation, so I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, moving swiftly on, Kind of keeping these episodes nice and nice and prompt, nice and nice and tight, not too much rambling on. I don't think I rambled too much today, um. But we're moving on to Sean Connery films. It's Dan's top ten with ten, and uh, I'm joined by a recu- re- reoccurring 
member of the team Let's Get Dangerous, it's Stephen McCredden. Now, he has a few Wi-Fi issues, I think, so some of his suggestions go out a little bit. He's blaming me, but it's really him. I told him to get go to some good Wi-Fi signal and get in. So, uh, it's you'll notice uh, through when he talks about one of the films, we kind of lose him a bit. We get him back, though. Um, so, coming up now, Dan, are you ready to hit that button there? No problem. Yeah, thanks, mate. So, let's hit the button and let's go for Dan's top 10. We're friends. Hit that tune. Hit that button. Hit, hit, just hit the fucking hit the knob there. It's Dan's top 10 with friends. Steve McCrudden, how are you? Not too bad at all, Dan. How are you? Good to talk to you again, baby. All right, back at you, baby. Well, it's been a long time on the podcast, but it's not been a long time in real life. <laughs> in real life, that's true. We have to mix and match these kind of things, you know? Grant, I'm delighted you came on to me to do Dan's Top 10 with Friends. Always and a pleasure. This, this episode, we're going to be doing, because we sadly, Sean Connery's passed away. <laughs> so I, I know he's a Hollywood legend, probably a Hollywood icon. and uh, I think it's kind of apt that we do some of his top 10 films now these are top 10 in our minds like so i'll have a few on my list that you're probably gonna go mad at to be honest um i might have a cheeky one or two that you might match with you just to annoy okay. you okay okay uh, <laughs> so we'll see how we go but um as always since you're the guest you get to say start off so what's yeah. number one on your sean connery combined oh. 10 list all right well just first and foremost i do dot my hat to the man uh he's an absolute legend he's not the very first uh creative person that passed away this year that i was shocked with that was uh the director adam but um he's the big star that across the world it's like well we've lost someone that we all know and for 90 years great age but however yeah, this was a battle because I was like, if whichever one I choose first, you're going to slap me and steal it for your one. So I got to go with it. Oh, oh also, I forgot to say, because um, you're the king yeah. of accents, you got to do, you got to do the model Scottish accents, don't you? No problem. I'll do it in Scottish accent. I just didn't want to insult the man because he was an absolute star. But if you'll allow it, I will do it. So here we go. <laughs> right. You can, all right. I'll tell you what, you just say the force on the Scottish accent, then we move on. Right. You have to be prepared. For the untouchables. It's an absolute classic and I had to go for it. Why? Because he was absolutely amazing. Now, back to Steve. It's an amazing film, yeah. The Untouchables. I love it. Um, I still love it. And I just love the fact that he's playing a character and it's halfway based on truth, halfway uh, altered a bit. But he is just, he's amazing in it. Like, he's like, we have the rules. It's like, first you do this, then you, you take a weapon. And he just won't stop uh, to try and take down uh, Al Capone in Chicago in the good old 20s or 30s where, you know, you couldn't drink and blah, blah, blah. And he's there standing in his complete bang it out Scottish accent. And you just you're just like, I love you. And he's he's brilliant from the moment you meet him in that film till the the end of it. It's it's just brilliant. I love him in it. Well, I, I deliberately did put that on the list because I knew you'd say oh, it. And obviously that's the go on. <laughs> that's the film that he won the Oscar for, yeah. obviously. Uh, uh well deserved. And yeah, he it, it's a great role that he had and it's an iconic role and obviously it's a true story. Well Al Capone's been brought down by tax yeah. evasion is a true story, but obviously the untouchable 
slightly fiction, um, but still, it uh, has to be on the list. So yeah, I'm glad for a play tip. So I'm gonna move swiftly mm-hmm. on to my number one, and it's it's one of his later films. But I tell you, the one when I heard about his passing, yeah, this film just popped up my head straight away, and I'm gonna rewatch it. I haven't rewatched it. Yeah, I'm gonna rewatch it probably start it tonight, maybe finish it tomorrow. But um, it's just I love it for the action sequences and the fact that he's like, ah. I'm gonna say it's the oh, rock. Feck yeah, that was my third one. Ah, the the rock, <laughs> the rock was, uh, the was rock. well deserved of a vote, Dan. Go for it. Yeah, it's great. It's just because the fact that he's an elder, he's like a professional escape artist from prison, and just even the force, the, the whole. When you notice know, the first scene when you see him and he's in, in the long yeah. hair and he's in and he looks so and cool with the long hair, <laughs> <laughs> but then he escapes when he's getting the haircut and it's a great film I have to say. And then the iconic scene when he's going through that underneath that into the rock yeah. basically, and he's going through the fire. I love. It. I remember when I was watching that as a kid, my heart was racing for him. Mm. Like and then, then obviously everybody's like, "Oh, where is he? He's gone. He's gone." And then he opens the door. Welcome to the yeah. rock. <laughs> Did it? I, I can even uh-huh. hear the music playing as you're telling that scene, man. <laughs> that that is without a All right, so what's number what's number three on our combined oh, list number two? Brilliant, thanks a million, you're letting me slide it in. Last Crusade. It has to go there. Indiana Jones and the Last Damn Crusade. I, what, I was I didn't think you were gonna say it so No, early, thank, so thank you so much, Dan. You're letting me slap my two faves in there, so I will. Um I, I absolutely look, you know, uh, me and Indy, and I've told you many times in life and on the podcast, but Indiana Jones and Last Crusade is one of the best sequels ever made because they had their curveball of going possibly a little too dark. You do have the weird people in the world. Some of them are called Lloyd, who say that their favorite is the second one, but we won't go. We won't. Yeah, we won't go there. We won't go there. We just stick to the good ones. <laughs> but basically, to have to have a uh, a sequel. And then let's go for it. And then not only that, but he's going to have a sidekick character who's going to be his father, played by Bond. Wow. And he is brilliant in it because it's it's not exactly what you'd expect. He doesn't really go for the full-on, excuse me, the full-on Sean Connery you'd expect, but he is just... Magical, just the look of him yeah, and the mood, and he, he's that more of the comedy relief in that film for as sure. Well. Like he's just he, unexpected, and the way they introduce the characters, mm. well, you're like, oh, are you going to be moody? A H? No, he's just going to yeah. be adorable, and ah, oh, he's great. The stuff that he does with his uh, his umbrella that he flick flucks at the the birds that fly up and take the the plane that's yeah. attacking them out of it, and then he holds it over him. That's brilliant. Now, okay, well, so you took my number two and our number four, so I'll have to move up brilliant. and take one of my honourable mentions. Okay. But it's not an honourable mention. This one was actually on the list. And we, uh, to be honest, you can, have, you can have the list full of just James Bond films, but I wouldn't make it to ten, but you'd have a good, good few of them. So you have to throw one James Bond in, and the one I'm going to throw in is going to be the first one, Dr. No. Dr. No, okay. Because obviously it's him as James Bond, and he's... He was like the perfect James Bond. Like I'm, he's up there as my favorite James Bond. If anything, I think. Now uh, look, he's he he set the the bar very high, and everyone when they think about Bond, they think about him, and then everyone else has to battle up against it. Now I think there are some actors who have gone and done a great job, but he's the the baseline, and his baseline is very very high. Like he just the camera loved him, and he he just gave that character so much charm. And you can even see it as you, if you watch them very close together, you can see his performance change between 
two, three, four, five. And it's like, he goes from being, yeah, you're smooth, very handsome, and the camera likes you, and you're calm to, oh, you're just suave, and it, you make it look effortless. And it's like, yeah, I know you're looking at me, and I'm having fun. Let's get back to the action bit. It's brilliant. Your voice, your voice dropped out a little bit there because you went, you haven't gone to a nice, good, strong internet signal for me. I tell you this all. Ah, oh, yes, yeah, sorry, sorry. I wish I had a whole studio rollout like you do, but excuse me, Dan. Basically, in short, he, his performance builds from he's he's smooth and he looks great in Doctor No, and he 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 delivers a great performance. But each film, he yeah. just becomes smoother and more kind of like I know you're watching me, and I know I'm great, and I'm just going to kill it yeah. yet again. He's brilliant. And obviously, he, he started off mm. that iconic end of Bond, yeah. James Bond, forced him to do it. I know it's obviously you wrote and probably Ian Fleming's novels as that, but uh, still, he was the first one to actually do it on yeah, screen. He owns it. Um, all right, so number five on a combined list, number three on your okay, list. Go okay, ahead. so. If you rob with mine. All right, well, I'll tell you what, now, I have a bit of a. Hmm, I have a debate. Well, you've said Bond, but I guess I could get away with Bond again, couldn't I? But you know what? I'm going to... Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I'm yeah. going to throw Curveball just in case you have it as a saviour one. But without a doubt, his last great performance. Now, this was underneath my Bond vote, but I'm going to put it out now. It's Finding Forrester from 2000. I mean, Sean, he, he had that read boost in the mid 90s with the rock and it led on to a couple mm. of more roles and all of them were, you know, watchable or a bit like, oh, what are you doing? But Finding Forrester, he's the teacher and, uh, oh, what's his name is in it and he's teaching him. Sorry. I can't. So you have to talk about this one because I couldn't put this on the list because I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, it's well worth a watch. Like, in all honesty, I ha- yeah, I have it marked for myself as his last great performance because you're seeing older, but, you know, still, uh, you're still seeing Sean. You're not seeing old Sean. And like, you know, the question mark that you might have on some actors that you kind of go, why are you doing it yet again? You're in your late seventies. You're not really delivering it. Now you're doing it for the paycheck. But for him here, oh, yeah. he's brilliant. And you're just—it's the last film that for me, it's the last great performance, and it's a film that's well worth a watch just for him, the journey, and he's—he's he's just like this kind of eclectic older teacher who lives on his own, but he allows this yeah. man come in to teach him because he really needs it. He's—he's he's very poor. I think it's no, English. No, no. And it's just the journey between the two of them. It's brilliant. Both of the actors in it are great, but it had to get a vote. I heard it. Yeah, so I'll have to give it a mm. shot. Okay, so number six on our combined list, number three on my list would be this kind of throw a curveball at you and you're going to go, oh my God, I never thought of it, but Dragonheart. <gasps> I never thought of that. Brilliant. I knew you were going to say Dragonheart. Oh. I know he's not in it, but the voice of that dragon. Oh, he he, he yeah. brings so much character and emotion to that dragon yeah. that you get so invested in him. <laughs> I love him. It also has Danny, uh, what's his Daniel or Danny Quaid? Quaid? Daniel Quaid. He has Danny Quaid in his. Is Daniel Craig? No, no, it? not Daniel Craig. Daniel. I can't remember his name, but Dennis oh, Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Dennis Quaid is in his, like, in almost his, his kind of sexiest, most charming look with the long hair and the grooviness. And you're like, whoa, Daniel, you got me. But then when he finally meets the dragon and Sean starts talking, you're like, yeah, sorry, whatever about you, Quaid. Let's just talk to Bond for the next hour and a half. Yeah, I agree. It's yeah. brilliant, isn't it? Great. I love it. Honestly, do. Okay, so number seven on their combined list and number four then on your list. Go ahead. Okay, um... Because I, 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 I guess I'm safe, I'm going to go for it. Hunt for Red October. Pretty good. I didn't have it, so go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Again, another one that I haven't seen. Oh, uh, okay. Get on it. Okay, per- perfect thing with Hunt for Red October is it's one of the 
past the 70s, early 80s. What's Bond going to do? And he goes and he does uh, the Tom Clancy novel. And it's ironically because when I think about that character, I think of Patriot Games and Harrison Ford. But the first one that was produced was a few years before that with Alan, or Alec Baldwin as that character. Anyway, you've got Sean there. Sean looks amazing. He's got the Ooh. beard. He's a bit older, but he's still sexy as anything. He's cool. Oh, yeah, he also happens to be working down in the Navy. And he is Russian. But fuck it. I'm going to just do this with the Scottish accent. And you're like, you know what? Fair play to you. Because there's nothing worse than actors who can't do an accent trying to like do it. And it's awful. Like many of them do the horrible Irish accents. You know yourself. But he, yeah. he's, sta- he's standing. <laughs> I, lo- I like him. Yeah. Like it's because then you don't question it. And, and Sorry, laugh. I think my Wi-Fi is going. Your Wi-Fi is going. <laughs> yeah, I think your Wi-Fi is going more so than mine, but we'll say nothing and move forward. No, so look, just to keep it really quick again. Uh, about the about over, you basically said yeah. you love the fact that Sean Connery had his own Scottish accent. <clears throat> yeah, and he's, and he's playing a Russian uh, yeah. spy and, you know, you're like, oh, you're the villain, but no, you're not. You're going to help us all out. And the time when it came out with the Cold War and everything, it's brilliant. He's great. And uh, Alec Baldwin is really good in it as well. But uh, well worth a watch, Dan. Yeah, well worth it. I'd say you'd like it. Okay, so that was number seven. So number eight on our combined list, and num- it'd be number nine, uh, sorry, number four on my list is, I've said this a few times in the podcast, I think I've had, this is the third time it's mentioned, it's Darby O'Gill and the Little People. <laughs> yeah, you too, you're mad about this. Well, I had it as one of my favourite Irish films, and then one of my favourite like, childhood kind of types of films, but uh, yeah. oh, it was great, and he's like singing in the songs, and uh, oh, he's just, oh, it's just, he's just, it's a warm, happy feeling when you watch that film, you know, and mm. it's just, I had to put it in there because it's, it's part of my history. So yeah. it has to be part of Sean Connery's history. Yeah, so, we'll move, so then we'll move on to number nine because I've talked about that <laughs> enough now. So number yeah. nine, uh, right. And I combine this number nine on your list. Go ahead. From Russia, love. Now, I know it's coming in a bit low, but that's only because I threw out others to be safe because I thought you might be stinging me and I'd lose my chances. I would honestly, it'd be higher. But uh, for me, whilst an awful lot of people love to jump onto uh, oh, Goldfinger, Ooh. and it is brilliant. Like I think he has made maybe one or two that are like, Diamonds Are Forever is clearly, oh geez, go on, I'll do it, uh, because he was getting paid some serious money. Yeah. But for me, his best and one of the top five, without a doubt, is From Russia With Love. I think it's it. you can see that he's an awful lot calmer playing that role. And he's got he starts to give the suave. We as a viewer are starting to see the little bits that, you know, uh, machines or you, her with her little uh, knife that comes out of the toe, the foot. Uh, sorry, the, the shoe. Ooh. So you're, you're starting to get the whole Bondy feeling mix. Yeah. But I think you're. Yeah. But you're starting to get him really strong, and you're also getting it still as a strong uh, sci-fi, or not sci-fi, sorry, thriller, like a, an action uh, Bond, you know what I'm saying. But yeah, yeah so that has to be in my top five. Great. And then the last one then on our combined list, uh, number five on my list is, it's actually, you know, probably, it's not one that people recommend. Well, actually, I don't know, but I think... It, I loved his performance in it. It's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I knew you were going to say. Because <laughs> oh, he's also, it's what, I didn't realise that was actually his last role, like proper role as a character. I think he had mm. a documentary or something a few years after that. 
Um, but that was his, uh, looking up his filmography today. It was like that was his last role, and yeah, it's the last kind of actiony role. But he was quite good in it. Um, maybe not an amazing story stuff. I actually had to rewatch it, but I know he played the Stormer in it. I had to kind of put it on the list because it's one of his last ones that I'm sure had a little touch of, you know, that's that's him going out in the, and and it's a touch of heart to it. And I say it's something that meant a lot to him that film. Because he was the yeah. producer and stuff on it, so uh, maybe that was just a credit. But maybe, but I did hear that he had a special bond with her for some reason. I'm not sure yeah. the exact bond. I should have looked at. But, oh, bond! Look at it, playing words there. Plug. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll get our quick honorable mentions in. Then we'll I'll let you go, Steve. So sure. I, I used my honorable mention. So the only honorable mention I had was uh, "You Only Live Twice," and again that was because that was that was meant to be his last bond film. I know. Then he came back to do another two after that, but just the fact that that was meant to be his last one, and uh, you know, Spectre, and was, I think it's one of the good ones of the early Bonds. And then for your one, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, so for mine, because I had to use it, uh, but I always would have Marnie, and an awful lot of people may not even know about Marnie, but Marnie is one of Hitchcock's films. Oh, and he is. Yeah, I've never seen. Or heard. He he's in it, and oh, to my shame, I can't remember the lead actress's name, but it's it's oh, Dibby Hedren, and and basically, look, it's 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 actually quite hard to describe because the promotion of it and what you might expect, especially being Hitchcock, mm. it it turns out an awful lot of a different, much slower burner kind of film than you would expect once the camera or the roll starts rolling. Mm. But he's great in it because you're not, you're, you, you think you're kind of just getting Bond or, you know, Sean being cool and he's still in his prime, but yeah. he's actually not. There's an awful lot more going on about it. And you, you kind of, you dance with his character of, do I like you or don't I? And for that alone, it's well worth a watch. That's a good one. I have to look that up for a play. Yeah. All right, so cheers. That's it then. So that's Dan's top ten with Steve Sean no. Connery films. So yeah. appreciate coming on, baby. No, no problem, baby. Always a pleasure to. But also just dot the hat to Senor Connery. Won't be the same without him. But we'll keep watching the films. It was a yeah, he had a great life, though, in fairness. Yeah, but still, no. Obviously, it's sad for anything, but like he had a great life, and he's he'll be remembered forever through his films. For sure. Right. Thanks, Steve. Talk to you soon. All right, Dan. Ciao, ciao. Bye bye. And that's it for another episode of Let's Get Dangerous. Can you believe it? Uh, I can, and I'm delighted to be back. I'm delighted that you're still listening to me. Uh, people catching up and listening to old episodes, appreciate you as well. Again, if you're new to the podcast and you've only listened to me a while, catch up on the old ones. You'll see the theme. I ramble a bit. I have a Wi-Fi issues quite a lot. Sounds like people are talking over to me, but they're not really. And also, the interview was all about John. So I'm glad you could hear him fine. And it's just my voice that goes down a little bit. So that's great. So um, I'm delighted that I'm back doing it. Delighted it's coming up to Christmas. I have to keep the podcast going up to Christmas because I can't wait to do Dan's Top 10 of Christmas. Christmas films. Uh, I might have to do Top 50. I love a Christmas film. Um... Send in your suggestions for Christmas films. Let me see. Let me know if you've seen them. Send in all your suggestions. Send in some stuff for Creative Corner, as I said. 
And well, I'll have a few things coming, but like I'll a hundred percent will accept all poems and short stories or premises you have my and you want to read them yourself in the podcast. Even better if you want me to read them. Can't wait to read them, and I'll read them on behalf of you, the entire population. Well, I say the population did a lot, a few people, a good few people, a few people from all around the world, supposedly. Well, that's what the analytics analytics tell me. But uh, yeah, so that's it. No more real big news, to be honest. Well, I, I started a podcast on the Wednesday evening, and I'm now it's Thursday evening actually. So still no decision on the president of the United States. It looks like it's going to be Joe Biden now. It's like 13% chance it might still be Trump. He's disputing all these states. All this, there's a whole lot of hullabaloo. It's a crazy, like, you're going to get addicted to watching it sometimes. Like, uh, the CN- CNN had this mad clock and all that everybody was talking about on Twitter saying that they addicted, couldn't watch it. Uh, and your man, there's a John King or something, he works for CNN. The man didn't take a break. I think he was on air for 14 hours. And he was still tweeting in between, like, ad breaks. So, fair play to him. Um, there's countless amount of caffeine in him, I'm sure. But I don't know, like, it's crazy the whole uh, voting system over there anyway. Like, the popular vote, I think Biden has, like, a more, like, 4 million people more have voted for him. Like, let's say he's 70 million and Trump's, like, 66 million or something. Um, but that doesn't go down to that. Trump could still be, like, let's say 66 million people in the world, in America voted for him. Biden has like 70 million people voting for him but if one state has like 10 oh, I'm going to struggle with this I anticipated the word coming up and I was like oh no because I kept fecking the word up electoral electoral thank god because I kept saying electri- electrical electrical electoral votes so if a state has like 11 let's say and or let's say more than 14 16 and they're close and they 270 and you win the presidency but in that state, Trump could only win could win a state by like say ten thousand votes, and so ten thousand people decide the presidency in a way, rather than like millions of people vote for so somebody rather than the other. But because of the state and how the system works, I don't even know what electoral votes are. So if anybody knows, send me in. They talk about it so many times. They can't say college electoral, so I don't know. I don't want to sound too, too silly, but um. It's a crazy thing. And like it like projected possibly winning five percent twisted margin, all these wars they just keep repeating themselves a lot about. It. So we'll find out who the president is by next week's episode, I'm sure. Um but that's pretty much it. There's no more big news for you. So thanks for you. Oh and I know everybody's struggling now with the pandemic and everything that's going on at the moment and Ireland's got locked down, but there's certain like you still can go shop like uh Nadine actually ordered all the stuff in IKEA. I went to IKEA uh, actually coming out of Ikea a few hours a few minutes ago nearly to be honest and it's actually great Ikea <laughs> when there's no queues or anything so it's click and collect you drive up you park a car right at the entrance there's not that many cars at all you walk in you give your code uh, you have to show your ID or whatever um, to be honest they set on the text but I didn't have to show my ID but I don't know why I'm whispering <laughs> it's like they can hear me but uh Anyway, so you walk up, then you have a little Christmas section. So your woman has got to the top of the stairs goes, Oh, just head down there to collect your order, but you're welcome to look through the Christmas section. I was like, Oh great. So it's all these mulled wine, gingerbread, uh chocolates, all that type of stuff. Well they got me on that. I spent around twenty quid on that stuff. And then I got to the end 
and then I thought I think maybe number again, and then they just said six three oh nine or the call out code or whatever. Then they always told me now to just go up and they'll bring out your stuff. I thought I had to get the code again or something. Uh, or tell me what it was, and then I just chucked, looked at the code and said, like, "Oh yeah, that's my code." And like, oh, here you go. He just gave me a trolley of stuff, and I went, "That's it." Away I go. No queue, no looking. And then when I looked inside, oh Jesus, that big wide section of IKEA, they had so many trolleys that were full of stuff with like dockets on them and stuff so i say like they picked them leave them in the trolleys and they just gathered them up you know and then these are going to go out one day these are going to go the next day but i'd say it's mayhem i say but i don't know like it seemed calm to be honest in there and it's calm for the person going i would imagine so i don't know but like you still i think i would miss the whole hustle and bustle sometimes like it's nice to be around there and the food in ikea is not bad actually you sit down have a bit of food and uh, go for a walk around shopping with people being around you. You know, it's it's, it's a, a thing will be missed. I hope it all gets back to normal. As John said, I hope pubs get back to normal. Obviously, there's going to be restrictions for the next good while. But the good news is, well, in my kind of line of work, filming TV and stuff, it's still going on. Like, in the first lockdown, we had to stop filming. Uh, a lot of productions and all stopped filming. Thankfully, I was still filming because broadcast TV... You know, it has to be on air. We had to tell you the news. Virgin Media Television. RT, the whole lot. TG Carter, they were all still going. But film and TV production-wise had to be halted. Now, that did affect us in a way because, you know, Gogglebox Ireland and certain other shows had to kind of adapt to the new restrictions and what was going on. But now with this new lockdown, productions are still happening. But they're happening safely. Like, you know, everybody's tested nearly twice or three times a day. Um... Uh, anybody who was on set has that armband saying when they were tested and who they were tested um, they can't be on set even if it's a an extra or a cleaner just cleaning up uh, the DOP whoever it is props department every department has to get tested quite regularly but that's good because films and TV shows are still getting made now it still annoys me with soap operas because in the soap opera I think a film and TV shows get made at the moment because they're all tested you can still do the normal scene. You can do a scene, a kissing scene, or, uh, any scene that requires contact, like a fighting scene, blah, blah, blah. But on the soap operas, I don't know if they have, because they're on TV and it's meant to be real life, but they're all social distancing. But they're trying to do these camera tricks, you know, like having somebody sit beside the other. But it looks like, they do it on this morning, it looks like Phil and Holly are sitting beside each other. But it's just two camera angles, cut in the vision room, in the gallery, cut in half and makes it look like they're sitting together and it looks well to be honest but it just seems to annoy me and the soap operas I don't know what it is but yeah I could ramble on for days I thought I said earlier I wouldn't ramble on too much but it's great to be back great to be back on the podcast great to be being listened to again or maybe not listened to maybe fast forward it but I know there is few people listening few people say where's the podcast then get it back on what's the story why, why, why haven't you done it I said oh, I'm just taking a bit of break you know a mid-season break uh, and getting up to the Christmas season it's going to be fun it's going to be enjoyable I can't wait um, so that's pretty much it oh, oh we do have a short film competition on Virgin Media so uh, look it up it's on my personal Facebook page it's on Virgin Media Ireland it's on it's on, it's on ad breaks uh, you'll see it. it's called Virgin Media Discovers and people to send in a two or three page pitch of a film a ten minute short film 
into us and uh, we get it gets judged by a panel of experts um, and we if whoever gets chosen 10 gets shortlisted to get some development funds to help with their script and bring their story to life and then out of those 10 we choose two to go into full on production and it'd be to close to 30 grand each well 30 grand each I say close to it's bang on 30 grand each to make the film happen but the development funds are quite substantial as well you get 9 grand towards a script editor the whole lot but it's all the information is on the website virginmedia.ie slash forward slash discovers and you get all the information um, I'm delighted to be back with you enjoy the, enjoy yourselves enjoy everything look after each other look after your family look after your friends um, be happy be positive you know it's a once in a, sh- once in a lifetime this whole life t- business is so make the most of it and John actually we, we kind of spoke over to him earlier but John said his little tag away of saying goodbye and I said oh I don't know if you've heard it but I kind of said oh brilliant John I'm going to use that later on because I'm all, do you know I always struggled in previous episodes about how to end the episode what will I say like oh peace out blah 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 but I hated it the same piece out and stuff so but i will for this episode because i promised john i would i'm gonna say his goodbye but i'm gonna come up on my own one uh, i'd love you to send in suggestions of a goodbye absolutely send them in but for now goodbye god bless and good luck